You are listening to a sermon from Covenant Hope Church. Thank you for engaging with us. If you would like more information about our church family, please visit www.covenanthope.church. We pray that this sermon encourages and challenges you today. Good morning, church. I'm so grateful to be here to preach the word today. Um, Thank you all for this opportunity. And as we continue in the book of James today, uh, I hope that you will be challenged and encouraged um, by the word. So if you turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1, uh, if you don't have one, there's one in front of you in the pew. It's uh, page 1071. And so we're continuing. Uh, last week we talked about uh, trials, suffering, um, endurance. Uh, James is going to continue somewhat in this theme. Um, but what we want to see today from the text is that James points to the source of sin and encourages his readers to trust in the character of God in the midst of temptation. Uh, and his disciples today, we want to see that in, in temptation, disciples must turn to Christ in faith for endurance. Look there at verse 12 with me. Uh, Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, that God has promised to those who love him. So here we're going to we're going to look in this first section at the reward of endurance. And that God rewards those who are faithful with the crown of life. So you remember from last week that these trials are for a purpose. For making us mature and complete. And we also saw that God gives wisdom generously to us to understand this, understand the purpose of trials. So keep that in mind as we look here um, in this next section, that the, the testing of our faith is what produces endurance and makes us mature in Christ. But what we want to keep in mind is that this endurance during trials is not of our own strength. This is not something we can do on our own. There is a call for us to endure trials and suffering, but this is not a call for us to do it on our own strength, but to look to Christ. It's only through his strength that we can endure. And uh, this is not a salvation through works. James is not calling us to work for our salvation, but to put our faith in Christ in the work that he did on the cross to save us. And that through him we can endure trials and suffering, and as we're going to see, temptations. But there is a reward for this endurance. The crown of life. God rewards us with eternal life, with eternal communion with him, if we endure. And again, keep in mind, this is endurance through Christ. It's not on our own. We couldn't do it if it was on our own. But this promise of eternal life that God has promised to those who love him, this is not 
uh, a wish, something that we wish would happen. We wish we would have eternal life. This is a sure hope. As we see in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, the beginning, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. This faith is not uh, simply a wish, but a sure hope in the substance of that hope. The reality of it is in God and his faithfulness. We know that God always keeps his promises. He is always faithful. And this is how we have hope and assurance of eternal life. Because God has promised it. We know that he is faithful. And we have the whole Bible as a testament to God's faithfulness throughout history. He is constantly faithful. He constantly keeps his promises uh, to those who love him. So as we see that God rewards those who are faithful, um, if we move on to the next section in James, uh, he's going to give us a warning when undergoing trials. So look there at verse 13. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. So here we're going to see the source of sin. That God does not tempt us to evil and that we can trust in his character. Whatever trials or, or suffering you may be going through, and I know that as a church, many of you have been through uh, trials. Um, you've been experiencing sickness, financial difficulties, anxiety, depression. You've lost friends or loved ones. I know that's many of us recently. This is a warning to view those trials in the right way. And as we saw last week, God gives us wisdom to understand that. But the warning here is not to blame God for these trials and suffering. Yes, we know that God is sovereign over these things. He is Lord over all creation and over all of our lives. And that includes suffering, includes temptations. But that does not mean God is the cause of suffering. But he does allow it for our own good. Again, as we saw last week, the testing of our faith produces endurance, makes us mature in Christ. This is the goal, and this is this is why we are experiencing suffering and trials. But remember that God's character is good. He's not tempted by evil. This is by his own nature. The very idea of goodness comes from God's character. Evil is something contrary to God. It's contrary to his character. He can't be tempted by evil in that way because it's against who he is. Goodness is, is who God is, and evil is against God. So God is not going to, to tempt us to rebel against him. But he will allow us to experience this so that we can become mature. And he is the one who gives us strength and endurance to get through this. So next we want to see... Where does this temptation come from? We know it doesn't come from God. God is not tempting us, but what does tempt us? And it's our own sinful hearts. 
our sinful hearts tempt us to evil. Look at verse 14. Uh, But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. I want you to think about something here. Some of you may remember a time uh, in the past where you may have gone to McDonald's and if you place an order and they ask you, do you want to supersize this? Uh, They don't do that anymore because uh, some people felt that McDonald's was causing people to become obese because they were offering this option. So thinking about that, I want you to think through even though we're saying, yes, our sinful hearts tempt us to evil, we do recognize the reality of spiritual warfare, that Satan does tempt us, the enemy tempts us to sin. But remember that just because you're tempted to sin by the enemy, that does not mean that you're off the hook. You're still responsible because ultimately sin comes from the heart. It comes from in in us. So even if you are tempted by the enemy, We're still responsible for that sin. We all are. But remember Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, throughout all all of creation, all of history, from the time of Adam until now, we are all sinners. We all sinned against God. We all rebelled against God. Don't forget that. And that sin, again, comes from the heart. And this is testified to in, in throughout all of the scriptures. Remember Matthew 15, uh, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, and slander. These are the things that defile a person. All of these things come from the heart. Jesus is teaching here that the things that defile us are already in our hearts. That's where our sinful nature comes from. Psalm 51, Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Our, our nature is sinful. For our, for our whole lives, we are sinful in our hearts and in rebellion against God. And again, Jeremiah writes, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Our sinful nature does not come from our circumstances or from temptations, and it definitely does not come from God. It comes from within us. Our hearts are sinful. Don't forget that. That's what James is saying here. Each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Our own hearts are causing us to sin. But this is who we are. This is the state that we are in on our own. God did not put sin in our hearts, and he does not tempt us to sin. The sinful nature of our hearts is what tempts us to evil and rebellion against God. Uh, James here explains the progression of sin. After we're enticed by our own evil desires, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. We're tempted by our hearts, by uh, the enemy. Either way, 
we're tempted and we commit to sin, desire has conceived. Once we commit to that and then we actually act on it, we commit the sin. This idea of giving birth to sin. uh, When that sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. You see this desire, this uh, progression from desire to action to consequences, death. Now this is both spiritual death and physical death in some cases. We are spiritually separated from God by our sin, our sinful nature. But we also at times experience physical death as a result of our sinfulness. Even as believers this may happen. Sin has serious consequences, both eternally and on earth. But uh, something we should be encouraged in and challenged as believers, we know this, we need to continually repent and turn back to God. Continually repent of your sins, turn to Christ for forgiveness, and he will offer it. He is faithful to forgive and to keep us in him. So this is who we are. This is our sinful nature. But who is God? Let's look at what who God is. So next, we're going to see the faithfulness of God. Who God is, what his character is like. So look at verse 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. James is again saying, don't don't be deceived into thinking that God is to blame for our suffering, for our trials or temptations. This is not from God. Don't be deceived in thinking that. Remember who God is. Don't, Don't be deceived into thinking that God is using our trials to tempt us. This can be a temptation because of who we are. We're naturally inclined to sin, and so we think... I'm going through this this horrible tragedy and suffering and pain. God must be using this to tempt me to evil. But that's not the case. And we have a, a great example of this from the Bible in the book of Job. Remember that God allowed Job to suffer tremendously. He lost everything, including his children. He experienced tremendous pain and suffering physically. And God allowed this. He allowed Satan to tempt Job. But God uh, God did not use this to tempt Job to sin. He used it to produce endurance in him. Job, uh, in chapter 1, says, Throughout all of this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. He experienced a tremendous loss and suffering, but he never blamed God. He never sinned against God in that. He, he understood that there was a reason for it, even though he may not know what it was until God answered him eventually. But he didn't understand that. He had faith that there was a reason for what he was going through and that God knew that and that God was sovereign over these things. He trusted in who God was because he knew that God was faithful and that God rewarded faithfulness. 
at the end of Job, it says, so the Lord blessed the last part of Job's life more than the first. Now, this is not to say that on earth we're faithful to God, then he's going to bless us with material goods, and riches, and uh, health, wealth, and happiness. That's not promised to us on earth. God promises that he will be faithful to us and reward us with the crown of life, with the eternal communion with him, which is infinitely greater than anything we can experience here. So don't get those confused. We see a lot of that here in America, in our more material society. There are many teachers who will say that what you get for your faithfulness is more stuff, more cars, more wealth. That's not the case. You may experience those things, but that's not promised by God. It's not promised anywhere in the Bible. But we do know that God is the giver of good things. Look at verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good thing on this earth is from the Lord. Now, our sin has corrupted God's creation. He created all things. He said, this is good. But humanity allowed sin to enter the world, and we corrupted that goodness. So we see that every day. But remember, we also see good things. Consider the good gifts that you see in your life. You may experience trials and suffering and temptations, but know that God is giving good things to you every day. The very gift of life is a blessing from God. We can still see the goodness of God in his creation and in how he cares for us in his providence daily. Don't forget that. And then consider the most good and perfect gift that God gives. And that's salvation through Christ. And this is better than, than anything evil or painful in the world. Salvation is, is so much greater than that. So even though it may be difficult at times, life is difficult and painful. But don't forget that ultimately the greatest gift that we have is salvation through Christ. And we can be eternally reconciled with God because of that. And how do we, how do we know this? How do we be sure of this? Who does not change like shifting shadows? That's the key. God does not change. God is good. We know God is good. We have the testimony from the Bible of God's goodness and His faithfulness. He fulfills his promises, and he's faithful to his people. And we can know that because of this and because, of he, does, because he does not change. He's not good one day and bad the next. He's always good. He's always sovereign over our lives and what we're going through. And this really contrasts with uh, what we saw last week in the example of the doubter. So if you look back at uh, verse 5, uh, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. 
God is faithful to give uh, wisdom, to be, uh, to be good, to care for us. But then the doubter, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. But God is not double-minded in that way. God is good. God is single-minded. He's steady and he's faithful in everything. So remember who God is, that he is going to be good. He's going to watch over us, give us wisdom to understand trials and suffering. And we have that through the book of James in part and the rest of the Bible. If you think, I don't, I don't know what, God's, what wisdom God is giving me. I'm waiting for God to hear. Well, he's speaking to us through his word every day. If you read it, He's telling us what this is for. Trials and suffering, temptations are to produce endurance, to test our faith, and to make us more mature and more like Christ. Now look at the next verse here, the last one. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now this brings us back to the most good and perfect gift that God gives, salvation. It says he gave us birth. That this might bring to mind the new birth, being born again in Christ. This is so much greater than anything we are going through, any suffering, any trials. Temptations may seem great and overwhelming, but God's gift of grace through Christ is so much greater. But remember that this is by his own choice. This is not because of anything we've done. This is because of who God is, that he didn't have to save us. We don't deserve it. As we saw earlier, we are sinful. Our hearts are sinful and in rebellion against God. We don't deserve His grace, but He gives it anyway. And again, that's because of who He is. He is so good and merciful that He gives this gift of salvation and new birth, even though we don't deserve it at all. And how is this? Uh, God birthed us by the word of truth through the good news of Jesus that we see testified in the scriptures. This is why it's, it's so key for us to understand the gospel rightly, to understand the point, to understand it is by grace through faith in Christ. And this is so that we can share this good news with everyone in our lives, everyone we encounter, because it is key to our salvation. It's key to this, to receiving the promise of the crown of life. And this is so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. This idea of first fruits, uh, you see this 
in the Old Testament, the Israelites were commanded to bring the first fruits uh, of the harvest to God. And in one way, these are the best, uh, the best of the harvest. God was uh, explaining to them that he expected perfection. They obviously couldn't give him perfection, but he expected them to give the best of what they had and the best of the harvest. And so in that sense, we are the best of his creatures. And that seems uh, boastful, but we're not boasting in us because we saw that this is not because of anything we've done. It's not because of who we are. We're the best of his creatures simply because of who God is and who Christ has made us to be through our redemption. And also keep in mind that the first fruits were a promise of more to come. It was not simply that we get this first part of the harvest and then nothing, but, you know, and James is saying here, it would be a kind of first fruits. There's more to come. This is a promise of more believers, God redeeming more people and bringing them to Christ. So remember that new birth is the greatest gift that we have. It's by God's own choice that we didn't deserve, but he gives it freely to us through the gospel. Remember the truth of the gospel, who Christ is. Now in all of this, I want to think about who are we called to be in this? And for disciples, I think we need to see that when we're faced with temptation, ultimately we need to turn to Christ in faith. That's the only way we'll get through it. Often you might think, and, and I've thought, well, I just need to be stronger. I need to get through this temptation. I'm being tempted, and I just need to, to push through. But it, it never works. It really doesn't. You, you have to turn to Jesus. He's the only way that you can have this endurance to continue to the end. We can't do it on our own. Don't forget that. Preach the gospel to yourself every day, that you can only get through this temptation. You can only be delivered from sin through Christ. And also remember that he provides wisdom so we can understand why we're going through temptation. And that is, I know that's extremely difficult at times to understand. But God is testing your faith. He's pushing you to be more like Christ every day. That's the goal. Christ is sanctifying us, making us more like him constantly. And we experience trials and suffering, experience temptations so that we can endure through the grace of God, through Christ's strength, we can endure and be made mature in Him. And I want to say it's encouraging to see you all at Covenant Hope and the strength that you have, the endurance that you have, which I know is because of your faith in Christ. And you turn to Him, and you turn to God for endurance, I know many of you have experienced trials 
and suffering and temptations, but you don't give up hope knowing that our hope is sure in Christ, that we have him to turn to for endurance and to be delivered through trials and temptations. So I just want to encourage you in that and thank you for challenging me to view that rightly. And remember that what is meant for evil, God means for good. Whatever you're going through, it may seem impossible, but God has a purpose, whether you see it now or not. So the most difficult temptations where you think you cannot possibly get through it, you can't possibly resist sin, you can because of Jesus. So turn to him in that time in prayer Seek other believers who can challenge you and encourage you to turn to Christ. Spur each other on. Also, as disciples, we want to see that, uh, remember that Jesus also experienced these same things. He came to earth fully man and fully God. But he can sympathize with us because he's been through temptations directly from Satan himself something that we would surely fail at he was offered everything and yet he prevailed and he can sympathize with what we're going through he knows what kinds of temptations you're going through you think you're the only one you're definitely not I can assure you that other people here other people around you are experiencing the same temptations and so did Jesus so don't forget that. Turn to him because he knows what you're going through and he can get you through it. But you can't do it on your own. And we also want to remember to trust in God's unchanging character. God is all good. That's who he is. He's faithful. He always keeps his promises. He's promised to give us wisdom He's promised us the gift of eternal life. We would be faithful to him. So remember that. That's who he is. He's not going to change. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and he's taken back his promise. It's still there. But that's, that's who we're called to be. Turn to Christ in trials and temptations. Turn to him for deliverance. Remember God's faithfulness and who he is in his goodness. But if you don't know Christ, if you have not been born again, if you haven't experienced that new birth, let this be challenging and encouraging to you as you see this. There is no way that we can be made right with God on our own. We are completely sinful in our hearts and we cannot change that by ourselves. If you think that you can do more good to outweigh the bad, you can't. Because God's standard is perfection. And if you don't meet that standard, there are serious consequences. Eternal consequences. Eternal separation from God. The only way to be reconciled with God is through faith in Christ. Because he is good, he is merciful to forgive us of our sins, even though our sins are, are impossibly great and 
horrifying. There's, there's absolutely no way that that can be made right except through Christ's sacrifice. He died on the cross. He suffered tremendous pain more than any of us could possibly imagine. So if you think that, well, how can I believe in God? He's allowing me to go through all this pain. Well, he already went through it. Worse than you can ever imagine. So turn to him in faith. Accept Christ as Lord, and then you can be made right with him. You can be redeemed through the blood of Christ only. Because we know that he suffered and died, was buried, and was raised again on the third day. Let that be encouraging to you that there is hope. No matter how hard things seem, or how impossible it may seem to believe in God, whether you are already in Christ and you're struggling to believe and trust in Him, He is faithful. And if you don't know Christ, please, I urge you, consider Christ. Turn to Him in faith because it's the only way to be made right with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us this challenge today to remember who you are, how good you are, and how gracious and merciful you are. God, please help us to remember that daily. Help us to remember who you've made us to be in Christ, that we can have hope because of who you are, because you're good and you keep your promises. I pray that everyone here today would remember that, would meditate on that, and turn to you in faith. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.